All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Uh, this week, we got a special guest, someone who came into my life, say the last maybe six months, maybe. Um, he is now a teammate on Wednesday nights, uh, fellow churchgoer, and uh, Will Mooney. Uh, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. This is uh, that's an exciting experience for me. Yeah, we uh, we met through some of Chad's family, and then I recruited him to the famous Young Guns basketball team. Shout out to the Young Guns. Shout out Young Guns. <laughs> having a rough having a rough start to the season here this year, but hey, we'll bounce back. Though. Yeah, but it's good to get out on Wednesday nights and just get some cardio and. Get back to doing something I love because it's been, I'd say, since October of 2018 since I had played because I had the wrist surgery and then was in rehabs and uh, all of 2019 and then COVID hit and then last year rehab, jail, hospitals. So it's been good getting back out there playing and trying to you know, dust off the shoes a little bit. So you, you, <laughs> I think you've led us in points. Uh, at least three of the four weeks. I would also say on a scale of one to 10, one being the least competitive person on the team and 10. 10 being the most, you're like a 12 or a 13. I'm very competitive. Yeah. You're extremely, you're extremely competitive. And it comes, it can be negative sometimes, a con. Cause I, I, sometimes I want to get out and just play and have fun, but that competitive edge just comes out and gets the best of me. So that, that is still a fault that I have. I, I have seen it used to use for good. I've also I've also seen it rattle you <laughs> once no, or twice before. It, yeah, but it has, yeah. and that's I will own that. So. <laughs> but it used to be a lot worse. We'll put it that way. Yeah, so. yeah. We love having you on the team. You've you've been a um, you know big addition. It's a group of guys that's hodgepodge. Started with some of my brother's friends. Some of my friends has evolved into. Um, a multitude of different circles, but it's great to, you know, just get together and and uh, look forward to getting to know you more through that and and uh, through just time with your family. Yeah, because um, so you shared your testimony at Hope, and I believe my sister heard it and told my dad, and then of course my dad Land reached out, wanted to know who you were. Yeah. And um, one thing led to another and you're working with him now. And so that's how you and I got connected officially. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just a little about me. I was born and raised in Charleston and moved to Charlotte for a, a job with Bank of America. Was looking for a change of pace career wise, um, but didn't know what I was going to be uh, when I grew up. And uh yeah, I got asked on a Tuesday to give my testimony um, at church that weekend. And the day before, just happened to be reading a piece of scripture that convicted me that I needed to share my story more broadly. And I get a call the next day, wow. uh, you, you know, to you know, share my story. And then, so then, yeah, I knew your sister. We were in a small group, my wife, Riley, and your sister, Laura Beth. She passed it to your dad. We had a what was supposed to be a 30-minute Nick's <laughs> breakfast meetup, maybe an hour. It lasted all of at least double or triple that. Uh, and <laughs> and so 
a friendship was formed. And then he graciously asked me to come join his team uh, at Cap Trust. And now I'm a financial advisor. I ne- never thought that was in the cards for me. Hadn't really even have heard of Cap Trust um, before meeting your dad. I'd heard about your dad, just that he mentored younger guys. And so I was excited to get to meet him when he reached out after my testimony, but never in a million years would have uh, thought that that would have led to a job and a, and a career change. But um, it's been a blessing. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, because I'm in a job right now, you know, looking and praying about that career and um, you just never know. So I'm excited to see what happens. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah. So like a little bit about, you know, my um, testimony and I'll, I'll, I'll talk briefly with it because it's interesting. I was when I was looking for career changes, I was kind of shopping around my resume, right? My accolades, I'd started meeting with people, telling them how good I was at my job and, and all these things. And my testimony was really about like my sin and the ways in which I had failed, um, in life, at least from a, you know, at at least from a societal standpoint, or Mm -hmm. at least from my perspective. And lo and behold, God didn't care about my resume, <laughs> you know, God, God gave me a new career through, um, through, uh, you know, the story that he gave me in my testimony. So a little bit about kind of how I came to Charlotte. So I moved, went to Clemson university, um, you know, grew up in a church background down in Charleston, but generally speaking, you know, had no faith of my own. Um, no, no shot against my family or the church, they were, you know, my family was, um, you know, very religious and our church certainly preached the gospel. Just the Lord hadn't open, opened up my my heart um, to, you know, him. And so went to Clemson, was involved in fraternity, great group of guys, uh, high school and in college, though, I was very much in the party scene. Certainly wasn't the worst there and never got into hard, hard drugs, but um, experimented with most everything, um, at least once and, um, was involved in a lot of, uh, sexually intimate relationships with women and was basically doing more or less what a lot of folks around me were doing. So mm-hmm. it felt very normal. Um, came to Charlotte, started with a job at Bank of America about six weeks into my time at B of A. Um, I was dating a girl at the time, um, who we had just broken up, uh, but the golf club girl Mm. and, uh, (laughs) and, um, and we had just, um, broken up and I got a, I went back for a 4th of July party down in Charleston, um, with some buddies and saw, a close girlfriend of mine we had dated on and off for five or six years at one point we were we were off uh at this point her name was sydney and we just kind of hit it off again Uh, we hadn't seen each other in a little bit of time we spent the night together hooked up and two weeks later i get a call from her that she's pregnant wow and the baby's mine um from that point on my world's sped up pretty quickly. I was a 23, 24 year old in Charlotte, didn't know anybody, knew my colleagues at work, 
and my roommate. Um, but all of a sudden my life kind of, kind of changed with one phone call. Yeah. Wow. Um, and she lived in Charleston at the time. She lived in Columbia. Okay. But was, um, she worked for the, uh, uh, the air force reserve or the national guard. I always get it wrong. Um, but she worked at one of those in, um, Columbia. And so she decides to move up, um, to, you know, Charlotte after we had some hard conversations. Very hard. I tried to convince her to have an abortion multiple times. Um, I've always said like my one regret is that if I would have heard, if someone would have been recording me and I would have heard like the way I spoke to her about that in particular, Mm -hmm. I just don't think I was very loving or caring. I certainly didn't force it upon her, um, but I was definitely pressuring her to do something she wasn't comfortable in. Because I kind of felt like it was plan B. Yeah, I mean, you're 23, 24, don't know anyone in Charlotte. Like, to a lot of people, your world's just beginning, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get that phone call, and everything switches just like that. Yeah. So, she tells me she wants to have a, a child. Her faith is really important to her, and she doesn't want to get an abortion. Um, so, she moves up. I eventually get on board. We, we move in together. I eventually get on board, but I'd probably tell you it was three months in. Sydney would probably tell you it was a little longer. <laughs> um, but um, she starts dragging me to church. I don't like going. Um, we went to this church called Hope Community Church. In a, it, it was meeting in a Korean church. And I felt like, man, I felt like I was a black sheep. Everyone was looking at me. She was pregnant and showing. We weren't married. People would ask us questions. I was just had a lot of shame, yeah. a lot of guilt, a lot of anxiety. Um, I certainly wouldn't have admitted I was depressed, but I think I was just kind of bottling it up. Um, I definitely had anxiety. Uh, and so, yeah, fast forward, you know, obviously there's a lot there, but fast forward nine months, um, my dad is battling a f- fatal brain tumor at the time Mm. he's been battling battling for 17 and a half months he passes away march 25th of 2016 down in the hospital or in our house down in charleston and sydney and i's daughter vera elizabeth passes away the day after 36 hours after wow um down in charleston a week before the due date uh complications with the umbilical cord Mm. And so Sydney wow. had to give a stillbirth, mm. which I didn't even really know was a thing um, at the time. And lo and behold, the first time I heard the gospel, first time the Lord opened up my my eyes to who Jesus was, that I had a father in heaven, was um, in the hospital room that day. Wow. Sydney played a a sermon called "Through the Eyes of a Lion" by this guy Levi Lusco who I've never listened to another sermon since, but heard, heard the gospel for the first time from this guy and didn't become a Christian right away. But that was when, um, that was where the Lord met me at, at what I would consider up to that point in my life, the lowest point. And he meets you where you need to be met kind of, um, like that episode with the therapist down Mm in, uh, Oxford, Mm -hmm. uh, treatment center. She met me where I needed to be met that day. And, you know, definitely different situation than what you're talking about, but uh, 
I had wanted nothing to do with her, but she met me where I needed to be met at. Just like the Lord will meet you where you need to be met at. And he met me last year where I needed to be met. And that was, you know, coming off life support. Absolutely. Yeah. When you told me some of your story, I, when we sat outside common market and, and just talked for a while, I saw a lot of, you know, similarities in different ways. You and I both ran hard against, you know, uh, what we were probably supposed to be doing or at minimum ran hard away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, I personally didn't do anything to run back towards him. Uh, I just, that's where the Lord decided to meet me um, and gave me and Sydney that story um, for whatever reason in that manner. And, uh, but, you know, there caused a lot of pain. I wouldn't say I necessarily wanted would want our child Vera Elizabeth to die again. Of course I wouldn't, but it's also hard for me to really think about, you know, the Lord is, is the architect of all of our stories, I believe. And so, you know, I just have to be prayerful and diligent in my walk to understand, okay, why was that my story? And not that I even will ever understand, but just try to understand, you know, where can redemption, how does that shape who I am to, to the today and how do I look forward? Yeah. That's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's, um, I should try and think through all that. Yeah. It's hard. But also, um, as you said earlier, your wife's name is Riley, so yeah. it's not Sydney. So how did you meet? Yes. Great. Riley. I mean, yeah. So funny enough, Talk about how the Lord works, man. <laughs> kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. So when Sydney was dragging me to church, we were in a small group. I think, I think your sister was in that group. I, as I well. think she I'm was as sure. well. She definitely was in the second, but I think she was in the first one. Uh, I think Laura Beth was in the first one as well. But I never went. I had poor attendance, but Sydney would go. Um, you know, whatever, four, five, six months pregnant at the time. There was this young girl named Riley Goodman in that small group. Um, and when Sydney and I, when our, when our daughter Vera Elizabeth passed away, Riley even was on the meal train, brought us a meal, brought Sydney and I a meal. I mean, I wouldn't say Sydney and her were best friends by any means, but acquaintances to say the least. Yeah. I didn't realize who Riley was. I didn't really, I mean, I'm a bad person, but I wasn't, looking at other women while I was in the small group with my pregnant wife. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. I wasn't, that was not on my no. list of things I was doing. So you, mean you had a lot of anxiety. Yeah. I was in your world. It changed very quick. Yeah. I wasn't even there mentally. Correct. Yeah. And so, yeah, fast forward. So two years after my daughter dies, um, I start going to church again by myself. Um, two years after the fact, I get into a community group again with some people I knew your sister, Laura Beth, was definitely in the group then. Um, and after our second or third group, this girl named Riley comes up to me at my truck afterwards and was like, hey, you know, she was very sincere. She said, you know, I just want to let you know, I remember what happened. You know, we as a church and a group have been praying for y'all, um, you know, and, and I don't really remember the specifics, but it was just very nice. And I had to stop her and I was like, I don't remember who you are. Like, you have to help me. Like, how do I know you? I apologize. So my first, 
you know, impression that I gave my now future wife was a really bad one. I didn't remember who she she was and she remembered me. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but lo and behold, uh, a couple of weeks or months later, whatever the timeline was, she was moving out of a house with a bunch of girls, some of which dated some mutual friends of mine. I had a truck, helped her move out. So of course, you got the invite. To help. Of course, I got the invite. <laughs> and uh, um, Riley pursued me a little bit. I wasn't really in the mood to date anybody at that time. And um, but, you know, she said she owed me a six pack or or some ice cream for helping out and. I brushed her off and then she reached back out a week or two later. Very persistent. Yeah, saying the same thing. And 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 so I finally took her up on an offer. So yeah, so I the again, the Lord loves us in the most unbelievable ways. The fact that Riley already knew my story speaks volumes. It, and it was like it was a miracle because I wasn't I wasn't going through counseling at the time. I hadn't processed my grief. I'm just, again, a mid 20s year old man, like that would have been tough for me to um, have to explain that. Yeah. Like at what date, like, do I do it on the third date, fifth date, 10th date? Never. I mean, you know, what do I, so Riley already knew everything that happened. And, and so there was this topic that they talked about for church for a couple of years called grace. I didn't really quite get it. You know, I didn't really... (laughs) But when Riley accepted me for who I was and accepted me for all the sin and baggage I thought I had, that was when it clicked. That was when I knew I was like, oh, this is a small example of grace. This is what grace looks like. The Lord, you know, you know, Jesus's perfect son of God comes down to earth, sacrifices himself you know, on our behalf, we don't deserve any of it. Nothing. We didn't do a, a thing to deserve it. Sacrifice on his behalf to save us from our sins while we were still sinning. So it was like Riley, you know, allowed me great, you know, very patiently and gracefully to start thinking about dating again, walks me into a new relationship. I'm like a wounded, <laughs> wounded deer. And sh- she loves me exactly for who I am. That's amazing. Yeah. Because that's like you said, when do I tell my story kind of? Because that's something in the past when I've been dating kind of, how do I, when do I tell my story, you know? And my story hadn't fully been written at that point as well. It was just all the rehabs and arrests and different stuff. You know, was it the first date, the second? And a lot of times I would just tell them the first date and be like, either you're going to be in or out. Like, I'm not going to waste time. But then you know, last year happened and, um, I've dated one girl since all that. And she opened, you know, grace again Mm -hmm. and, um, took me for who I was. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out. Uh, amazing girl though, but yeah, it's kind of like, when do you share that? Um, but I've learned God's grace for us, you know, the woman he has for me and Riley, who he has for you, they're going to love you no matter what. Mm. Yeah. And that's amazing. I wouldn't have believed that, but that's, that's the truth. Um, and I think that we all go through, I mean, you, you know, you and I, in case you were talking about this, right. We all go through different relationships, male and female. The female ones are of course, 
the ones that, you know, can be that much more joyful or that much more heartbreak. Um, and so we just have to trust no matter where we are, single, married, engaged, you know, none of those three, you know, we have to trust that the Lord has designed us to be with somebody. And that, I mean, all odds were on me and Sydney marrying. I mean, I was, I was talking to my counselor about this today, like all odds were on us marrying each other pre fear Elizabeth's passing. Mm-hmm. And so if you would have asked me like two days before her passing, I would have said, yeah, 95% sure I'm going to marry Sydney. I don't even know if Sydney would have said, you know, I don't know where she was. I'm not assuming yeah. that she would have said yes. But, and then four months after the fact, it was a 0% chance. Yeah. So uh, I guess my point is in my story, we just don't know what the Lord has in store for us. And things can look vastly different. Uh, I mean, I always say we're only one phone call away from our life completely changing. And things can look vastly different in relationships over a very short period of time. For some people, you know, not yeah. for everybody. Sometimes it might be a lot longer, but um, for some people, it looks it looks like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, obviously, last year, it could have looked a lot different. That one phone call that my sister mm. got, and then, you know, she made the phone call to my mom. Uh, they were told to come up and say goodbye. And that one phone call kind of changed their lives for a little bit. And um, that one event changed my life for better. Um, now there's a lot that happened to get to that point. Um, but there's been a lot of growth since then. And there's still a lot of days, you know, I deal with anxiety every day still, Mm -hmm. but it's different anxiety than what I had. Um, I still, you know, I'm not perfect, but I still worry about the future. Uh, But I know I can't control the future. It's not promised. And God has my future planned out for me. I just have to give it up to him. And I do, but as our human nature and we're born, you know, into a sinful world, I still want to be in control Yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, totally. <laughs> obedience is a hard thing. I mean, obedience is probably one of the things I struggle with the most is trying to obey what the Lord has for us instead of what we want to do for ourselves. Um, you know, just it's, yeah. I think it's just, it's really tough to give up control, um, you know, for me and, you know, my life. And I think there's an element of that without fully knowing or trying to act like I know what the Lord had in store. There's an element of my story that showcases that the Lord had to take me out of complete control. Like I had to totally get out of, I had to get hit from all these different sides, you know, father passed away, daughter passed away, battling two different deaths, two different types of feelings with those deaths. Um, you know, I just, it, I had to get completely out of control for the, for me to finally see the Lord. And I think there's parts of like who I am that I'm still trying to repent for and, and be honest about of, of that. I, I hear the least from God when I'm in the most control. Yep. I agree with that a hundred percent, you know, and that's why, this podcast, having these weekly conversations are, they're beneficial for me and I hope for our listeners and, you know, the guests, but it's just a way for me to talk to somebody else. Yeah. Free therapy, essentially. Hear someone else's story and know, hey, we all have a story and we all have struggles and we're not alone. Not every story is the same. 
but we all have our struggles in this world, in this life. Uh, it's tough, but it's who you surround yourself with in the community because you can have good community and bad community. And I've seen both and, mm-hmm. uh, choose the good community now. Uh, even though I still struggle with anxiety every day, as I said, but you know, good is to come. I just have to give it up to the Lord and know that I'm not in control. He is, as mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. Um, so going back to you were reading scripture one day and you know, the Lord, the next day gave you that phone call about sharing your testimony in front of, you know, the congregation at hope that was, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. What were your, what was going on in your head, your feelings kind of, was there any pushback? No, I don't want to do this. Well, I mean, I think like, you know, I'm, I've been trying recently to get more disciplined in, you know, reading God's word. I still fall short with it. Back then at that time, I mean, that might've been the first time I was reading in a, in weeks or months, but, um, I don't know, maybe not. I was reading through, um, the old Testament and I was reading on Monday about Moses and the burning bush. And in my Bible commentary, it explains, you know, as I'm kind of reading through, uh, you know, Genesis and Exodus, you learn about who Moses is and, you know, not, not growing up in a, in a, in a time where I read scripture, some of this is like, I had heard the Adam and Eve story, <laughs> but some of it I didn't hear for the, you know, I'm reading, I'm turning the pages mm-hmm. enthralled by the story. And I remember I, I just came across this paragraph where it said Moses killed somebody. Moses was a murderer. And I remember going to Riley and being like, yo, did you know Moses killed somebody? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, of course I knew that. <laughs> and I was in shock. I was in shock. Cause you know, you hear about, Oh, all these people that God's elevated mm-hmm. are, you know, sinners. But for me, Moses was like, you know, I'd heard him off in the distance. Yeah. You know, even non-Christians know who Moses was, mm-hmm. right? Even people that don't even know who the word, you know, have never even opened God's word knows who Moses was. Yeah. So the fact that he was a murderer um, was amazing. So anyways, I'm reading, I get to the part about him in the burning bush. And in the Bible commentary, it's, it says... Moses was a you know stutterer, didn't have a great stage presence, wasn't um, uh, wasn't necessarily a born leader. Had killed somebody, exiled, been in the been in the basically forest, the woods, and he gets this this bush that's on fire, but not you know disintegrating. And God basically tells him to the bush, hey, man, you got to go back. You got to go back to Egypt, your half brother, and tell him it's time for him to let my people go. And Moses is like, yeah, I can't do that. No, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. Out. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. And the Bible commentary said, you know, and so Moses asks, well, how, how do you want me to do that? And God said, I'm paraphrasing all this. I could be butchering this. I'm sure there's somebody in seminary being like, well, is butchering the gospel. But, <laughs> um, but, and I promise I'll get to a point here very quickly. But so God tells Moses, you don't have to make anything up. You don't have to be a new, you don't have to make up a new book of the Bible. You don't have to, you know, have this epiphany. All you have to do is tell people about this experience. 
tell the Pharaoh about this and tell my people, the leaders of my enslaved people, tell them what had happened. And so the Bible commentary says, as an encouragement to us is we don't have to come up with it. You know, the Bible is already perfect. We don't need to come up with a new book of the Bible. We don't need to give the best sermon ever. We don't have to necessarily do anything. All we have to do to show people about Christ and tell and, and bring people to be the hands and feet of, um, you know, in God's kingdom is either tell them about God's word or tell them what God's done in our life. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like we don't, we, there, there's our other things, but we'd be okay with just doing that. And so I was just really convicted of, you know, God has given me this story. Like I need to tell it. And my pastor calls me up, you know, the next day, his name is Mark Upton. He calls me up the next day and was like, Hey, can you share? I'm doing this sermon on the woman in the well. Yeah. I think at the time I was probably like, Oh yeah, I know that story. I didn't know that story. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, yeah, I'm doing the, you know, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm doing the sermon. Can you talk for a couple minutes? Like, can you share? And I'll send you some questions. And honestly, it all just so happened so quick. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And, um, you know, a lot of things came from that. Probably most importantly was I got courage to admit my sin broadly. And I remember I sent it to a couple people afterwards that were, I didn't get the best reactions from. I sent it to other people that had great reactions. Um, but secondly, obviously the job. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of how that came about. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit speaks through us in that instance, spoke directly via two avenues, one God's word, but two affirmed by another believer. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the Lord also speaks to us through other, as you said, community, like other believers, other, um, Christians, other spiritual, uh, leaders in our life. Um, the Holy Spirit can speak directly through that. Our wives, our significant others, our best friends, our roommates, our brothers. Um, I think, it, I think, you know, it's my belief that we can hear from that, from that avenue as well. Yeah, I agree. And, um, November 9th, I'm going down. I got my first speaking engagement. No way. Um, at Calvary Day School Chapel Service. Um, got like 25, 30 minutes um, to share my story. I'm about to make a note of that. Do it. November 9th. Mark it up. All you ask off work. Yeah. Do it and come down. <laughs> and then everyone listen and pray for me because um, public speaking is not uh, something I'm good at. Um, recording a podcast is a little different you know here uh don't have an audience while you're recording but i'm excited to share my story that's something that i've wanted to do and especially with the younger generation um is sitting where they're sitting in a chapel service you know growing up going to covenant day we had chapel service i think every wednesday and if you were a good speaker on that wednesday you know i was both my ears were listening but if you weren't you know i was doodling or falling asleep or studying for the exam I had coming up. But I want my story to be heard from whether it's middle school, high school, or both, whatever, because I was sitting where they will be not thinking mm. my story that has been played out, whatever happened to me, but God had different plans. And 
he met me where he needed me to be met um, last year, the end of April, on that hospital bed. And I've met a, a lot of people along the way and have had friends that, uh, you know, have not been as fortunate and blessed as I am to have this second chance at life. Um, so I'm blessed to have that opportunity, but a little nervous to go down. Um, but it's only 30 minutes, which now I'm thinking it's kind of short <laughs> with my story. Whereas before I'd have been like, that's way too much time. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see what the Lord will do, you know, with me sharing that story that he has, um, blessed me with, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, knowing you and your father in particular, they're going to have to give you more than 30 minutes, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think vulnerability is contagious. I really do. I mean, I think you and KC have done that to me tonight and y'all have been very open about your stories uh, before we got on the podcast and uh, talking to you. I think that's something that what you do very well. Um, you do a lot of things well, but um, I think that that one thing you do well is just you're very open and that vulnerability is contagious when you're being vulnerable, especially with another man. I think it it just it opens up it's hard for somebody to go first. It's hard for somebody to be the, the first person, mm -hmm. but if someone's the first, I'm sure you've experienced this too. You know, if someone's the first, it's amazing. Almost every time mm -hmm. the other person kind of jumps in and yeah. shares a little bit about there. But, um, you know, I think, I, I think that those kids will benefit from that in that, um, just real genuine vulnerability, especially out of men, is rare enough that when seen, it catches people's attention. Yeah. Because um, I've always been vulnerable, but not to the extent I am today. I was vulnerable with the information I wanted you to know. Yeah. But same. Um, when your life is literally, you know, you die and wake up off life support. I mean, what else is, you know, um, I don't want that to happen to anyone else. I don't really remember it. I remember the night prior bits and pieces of it. And then I remember the aftermath, just my family, how scared they were and um, just how eye opening it was and how real you know, it was. And just how I saw that life can be taken in a blink of an eye or snap of a finger. Mm. Life is precious. And before I thought I was invincible and I didn't want people to see me as weak. Uh, didn't want people to view me as less than, mm -hmm. and I always compared myself to everyone around me and that hurt me. And I was my worst enemy, um, because I was slowly falling behind everyone else, but I didn't want people to know that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the addiction and just the ways of the world kept getting worse and worse and darker for me until the inevitable happened. And, I mean, I just don't want that to happen to anyone. So that's why uh, the vulnerability has come in full circle where there's not anything that I wouldn't share because I don't want others to have to go through what I have gone through. Just where, you know, you um, shared your story in front of the congregation, yeah. uh, reading a verse, praying, and then the next day getting a phone call and adhering to that. Um so it's a blessing to be able to go down and speak to these uh, students and hopefully many more speaking engagements will happen. Um, yeah, vulnerability um, 
for me, there was a lot of times prior when someone uh, that was older and had lived a little bit more would open up to me and I would be like, okay, I trust this person. I can share some secrets with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a man didn't do that or someone didn't do that, I, I wasn't sharing anything. Right. But now because of what God has taken me through, I'm able to be that person who opens up first and kind of breaks that barrier, or that wall for that person to allow them to know that they're not alone and whatever they're going through, they can talk because yeah. I've been through it. I've been through maybe something different, but I've been through it before Mm -hmm. and you're not alone. Yeah, totally. I think that's a, I think the, the other thing that's important is there has to be a lot of people are just confident enough to do that. I think you're one of those. Some people like me need a environment that fosters and celebrates and encourages that vulnerability, whether it be a spouse at home, you know, Riley definitely does that. I think the church Hope Community Church did that for me. There was other people that went up there and shared their story that gave me courage to do mine. And so I think that, you know, that can be said on this podcast, right? Like whether you reach 5,000 people, 50,000 people, 500,000 people or five, one of those people that could be, you could just be giving them the confidence to be able to share. When the time is right, when God is dead. So I think that there was a people that got on stage at Hope, right? It seems very lofty of like, wow, you went up in front of church and, and, but I had watched that before and the pastors and the lay people and the, had celebrated and encouraged that. And so it made it less of a, a steep mountain for me. Um, I also had a supportive significant other who was, um, open to me sharing a story that predominantly was about another woman. Most of what I talked about in that 15 minutes was not Riley. And so I think all those things are important. And I, and I just feel like I need to say that because not everyone is in a situation where God is calling them to be vulnerable right now, because maybe they don't have the environment around them that would support that. And maybe that environment would actually make it worse, right? Maybe it's a parent or it's a, significant other or a teacher or a coworker or a boss or a workplace culture that would, that vulnerability would cause them harm. Yeah. And so I think that it's not just, I certainly don't think the answer is for everyone just to be vulnerable with every single person. Um, But, you know, my hope and prayer would be that, you know, the Lord continues to give me and others um, opportunities where it's, you know, celebrated and encouraged and where we just have to, you know, step through the door. Yep. It's been opened for us. Yeah. Amen. And Hope Community Church is an amazing church because I've been going there um, on and off for some time. And then I'd say last maybe four months, I've been trying to make it every hmm. um, Sunday thing. And I mean, churches isn't on Sundays. It's every day of the week, that relationship with God. But um, just the community aspect, but Mark Upton, who you were uh, mentioning, you know, called and asked you to share your testimony. Um, this was back in 2019, I want to say early April, 2019. And I knew his face, um, from Iron Tribe when I worked out there. Hopefully, Shout out Iron Tribe. Hopefully I'll get back in there. Zach Watson soon. Um, just the summer heats with the work I do right now. It's hard, but that's an excuse. Um, so Mark 
um, Upton from there at Iron Tribe, and then at Hope. It's the people from Iron Tribe, obviously, a lot of them went to Hope, go to Hope. So I checked it out, and depending on how I was feeling that Sunday morning, I would go, and Mm -hmm. a lot of times I didn't make it. Um, Well, April of 2019 was at uh, Davidson Mental Health the psych ward up there for i think maybe 10 days prior to getting flown down to mississippi but mark someone who he didn't know me that well but he made the effort and came to davidson mental health and spent maybe an hour or so with me um just talking and pouring into me and that meant so much to me someone who didn't know me that well came up um to the psych ward just pouring into me and just letting me know that i was loved and um, if there's anything he could do, he would do it. And because of that, that's one reason that you know, hope's been a big part of my life and a reason that I look forward to going on Sundays. And uh, when the life community groups get plugged back up, I want to get plugged into those and really become a you know active person at Hope instead of just the Sunday mornings. Um, but yeah. So Hope's amazing. A lot of good people, you know, gotten to know you better through Hope and through my sister and dad. So, yeah, I mean, just like I recruited you to Young Guns, I'm going to try to recruit you to our uh, life group. But, yeah, just a quick story on Mark that you just reminded me of when I was in the hospital room after the day after um, the day after Sydney had her stillbirth. I was walking up from the cafeteria. I think I was just had walked to get some fresh air and Mark called me uh, as I was out, as I was outside the room about to walk in. And so I, I remember exactly where I was and I promise you, I knew him less than how you knew him um, (laughs) because I don't think we knew each other at all. Mm. And, um, but I was technically in a community group and I think my leaders told him, but he called me and I can't really remember what we talked about. And it was certainly a short conversation, but what I remember is him stepping in to pain and stepping in to a situation where I felt shame and death and tragedy and guilt. And I had other people do that. My pastor of my family's church down in Charleston came, was really supportive. I remember our conversation. Um, and there were certainly other people, but I'll just never forget that of, um, you know, Mark just entering into a place where other people were scared to, to, to enter in because I had put up a lot of walls mm-hmm. and I had not, well, I purposely didn't want people to enter in. Um, but Mark just, Mark just came anyways. And, um, I think that's a picture of the gospel there too. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's Mark and that's Hope Community Church. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a church, come check out Hope Community. I go to the one in South End, and then you go to the Cotswold location, yep. and yep. then there's one in South Charlotte. Yeah, Ray and Colony Ray Road. Ray and Colony. Yeah. So there's three locations, I yep. believe. So yep. if you're looking for a church, check out Hope Community, and then a gym, Iron Tribe. Yeah. Reach out to Zach Watson, and then you go to the Cotswold. Um, his name is Evan Taylor. Him and his wife, Marielle, run run the Cotswold Iron Tribe. Yeah. That was with Zach and Evan when they were in the South End location with JD back in the day. Um, they're both great gyms locations and then Hope's 
an amazing church. Um, before we end and come to a close, do you have any advice uh, you would share with people who experienced loss in a, at a young age? Your life was flipped upside down and not what you were expecting. Um, so kind of what advice got you through all that that someone might be needing to hear right now? Man, I think um, I don't have much advice. Um, and fr- frankly, I uh, I don't have any. But I would say that you talk about anxiety and depression. Your guests talk about anxiety and depression a lot on the show. And I think that when I think about anxiety and depression and when some people think about anxiety and depression, it looks – we all have an image of what it looks like in our heads, either from experience by ourselves or experience that – um, we've seen through other people or what we've read or whatever. I think for me, anxiety has looked like me focusing on the next task or not being able to sit in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, immediately after, um, you know, you, you and I had kind of talked about this. I, a dear, dear friend of mine, um, passed away from, overdose here in Charlotte. His name is Jack Bowling and he was a, a light in a very dark world and um you know a man that I still love to this day and he as soon as I as he passed away I was like his closest one in Charlotte and and I started like working the plan. Right? Like we gotta get his car to New Orleans. We gotta do all these things. We gotta call it we gotta clean up the house. We gotta do all these things. And that was my version of anxiety. I just didn't know it. It looked like productivity. It looked like trying to fix the problem. It looked like moving on, but that was my version of anxiety. And I think that that looked different and was harder to diagnose. And so my only advice would be for people out there, um, to just, you know, just to stay encouraged and, um, just to be open in, in community with your friends, with your loved ones, um, because anxiety, depression, things that we're struggling with just don't always look the same. And I think it, I think different people have a way of, you know, kind of shielding them. And, and then, you know, the last thing I, I would say is that, you know, I didn't do anything to deserve my story or the redemptive parts of my story. Um, you know, Jesus, is you know my savior and um you know i give my life to christ and that all was because i just got unmerited favor so i wouldn't try to come across or act like i did something or was reading scripture or you know making it to church every week because i was far far from that i was running from that um and so i would just give people hope and um, give people encouragement that the Lord, as we talked about in the beginning, will meet you right where you are. And if you're a fellow believer or someone like yourself or KC that's encouraging people and, you know, let's just, you know, our job is just to try to be mirrors to the Holy Spirit, just to try to, um, we don't have to do a lot of the work. You know, we just we just have to be the reflection point of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I appreciate y'all giving me a chance to come on uh, Rabbit Hole Show. This is a awesome place. I've enjoyed the episodes, man. I really 
you know, look forward to them. Um, they've been really encouraging literally all over the board. Uh, and I uh, am just thankful I got the chance to be on it. Well, thank you. It's been an honor. And that's the purpose of the show because not every story is the same. No story has been the same, but we all have a story and someone who's listening will be able to resonate with something in one of those stories or have a very similar story um, with that episode and that will allow them to know that they're not alone. So um, thank you for coming on and for any listener who has any money that they need to invest or um, give cap for us to call and uh, let's get Will some, uh, you know, new portfolio going. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. If you got any questions, comments, if you want to come on the show, or if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, or uh, have something that you know you never told anyone but want to share, feel free to reach out either on Instagram uh, or um, we're still waiting on some emails. Haven't gotten many emails, so uh, the Rabbit Hole Show twenty one at gmail dot com. Let's get that inbox flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you seriously, if you have any struggles or need someone to talk to or want to grab coffee. Uh, shoot an email and I'd be more than happy to meet with you, talk with you because that's the purpose of this show and just building a community because uh, we need good community and that's what life is, you know, community and doing it with others. So, Will, thanks for coming on, sharing Absolutely. your story and uh, the Rabbit Hole Show. Thank you all for tuning in this week and stay tuned uh, for more content and next week's episode. Thank you all.